Hi, welcome to Re-Envision Health Podcast, where we explore the intersection of health, technology, and work. I'm the host, Sylvia Doss, and today we'll be speaking with Marissa Lavalette. Marissa is a Bay Area-based yoga teacher and yoga teacher trainer with clients in both the private and the workplace space. She's the founder of the online women's wellness community and podcasts, Attune and Align, and Align. Women work with Marissa either one-on-one or in her monthly membership to attune to the calling of their heart and align their lives accordingly through yoga, healthy eating, and career transitions. Marissa defines herself as wanting to be your number one cheerleader and helping you share your unique gifts and talents in a world that needs you to shine your light right now. Welcome, Marissa, to Re-Envision Health. Sylvia, thank you so much for having me today. You know, I invited you today to share your thoughts on yoga, not only in a private space, such as going to your local yoga studio or, or Zoom studio as they are right now, but to also explore yoga in the workplace. Many companies offer yoga classes and it's always seemed to me that employees, you know, they get that yoga can be very helpful to them, but engaging in engaging with it at work just may feel sort of odd. So we'll get into all of that today. First, <laughs> tell me about your work. Well, first of all, thank you for, for such a kind introduction. I really appreciated that. Yeah, I'm just so um, happy and excited to be here today to speak on your podcast from the perspective of a yoga teacher. And, you know, for the modern yoga teacher nowadays, that, that actually means a person who wears very many hats. You know, it, it's not like thousands of years ago where yoga teachers were pretty much assigned to a village or town, for example. And it was more like the yoga teacher was very stationary in their location. And then the students would come and sit with the teacher to learn. Now, and it's a little bit different, you know, with everything we've been dealing with, with the coronavirus pandemic, but really a yoga teacher in the modern context is someone who commutes a lot, honestly, because you're, you're either in your car or on your bicycle or here in San Francisco, you're on Muni because you're going to the one studio in the morning, then you're going across town or you're going over the Golden Gate Bridge or over the Bay Bridge to your one-on-one -on -one client. Then you're commuting back into the city for your corporate class in the afternoon. And then like so many urban yoga teachers, from there, you have to race over and get in time for your 6.15 p.m. public studio class again. So the reason that I paint such a lively picture of the modern commuting yoga teacher is I think that there is you know, in the media, a little bit of a disconnect between the stereotypical idea of what people think yoga teachers do all day long versus what we actually do all day long. And I think on the first hand, maybe people are imagining yoga teachers, you know, burning sage in their home and meditating with their crystals and journaling for two and a half hours and then standing on our heads for 30 minutes. And, you know, as much as we try to do those things 
every day. It's not happening for four and a half hours of protracted practice. Then on the other hand, you have those modern realities of what are some of the mundane challenges in delivering the ancient practice set against the restraints of the modern lifestyle. So that's really just right interesting. There. Yeah. <laughs> There's and, a lot to unpack. <laughs> and speaking of the commuting, I mean, for those who don't live in the Bay Area, that commuting can take quite a while and take you through a number of stressors. And to be able to show up at class still, you know, ready to go and really set an example for the people who are there. So is this what you thought it was going to be like when you got into this? Because I'm just interested in what inspired you and really what keeps inspiring you. That's a really fair question. And, you know, my story, everyone's story is different about how they become a yoga teacher. The way that I came into it was, um, and for me, I think it was a good thing. When I started teaching yoga, it was very much a part-time thing. Like, I had a full-time nine to five, you know, I've told you before, Sylvia, I was a middle school Spanish teacher for eight years and, you know, I had my teacher schedule and for many years, you know, nights and weekends, I went through the whole yoga teacher training process where if you have ever gone through that or have had someone in your life go through the yoga teacher training process, it, it feels like you're studying for your, your medical boards, you know? Or, or like the way we studied together in nutrition school, Sylvia. It's, my husband would be like, are you not done with that yet? I'm like, I'm on a lifelong journey of discovering my dharma. It never ends. But anyway, I know I'm going off a little bit on the Well, well actually, here. I want to know, <laughs> I'd like you to add a little bit more about what that training is like, because I actually looked oh, okay. into it recently. And I mean, it's in depth. And what, what is. is that? What, what, yeah. what are yoga teachers bringing to us that we have no idea of because we don't have any idea yeah. of what they have I, to do to get there? Yeah, and I and I know I'm being like playfully tongue in cheek here, like, oh, it would never end, and when would all the training stop? No, it's, it's a lot um, of training. <laughs> yeah, it's it. I mean, it's it's the best part of it, right? Because it's it's a good sign for humanity. It shows that there are still, and not just yoga, but in different pockets of interest, there are still groups of people who are really holding new students or new aspirants to, to really high standards. And when it comes to the path of becoming a yoga teacher trainer, I would say for most people that looks like enrolling in a 200 hour yoga teacher training program. And, you know, one, one really popular format for that, it's like a, a three month or, you know, a two month intensive, or I remember I did the 12 consecutive weekends. So I didn't see my husband for uh, 12 Saturdays and Sundays in a row. And this was all while I was teaching my Spanish classes wow. during the day to sixth graders. And then as if that wasn't enough, right? Then it would be, they give you homework. It's a ton <laughs> of homework. And, <laughs> and, and, and so everything you've heard, Sylvia, is true. I mean, and you get these manuals that they weigh, you know, 15 pounds a piece because you have your anatomy manual. 
you have your philosophy manuals and the ancient texts and the yoga sutras and the Upanishads. And depending on who your teacher is, they might throw in some additional like mythology texts and the Bhagavad Gita. And obviously that was my favorite part. And then there's a whole manual on teaching skills. And then there's a whole manual on how to navigate the business of yoga as as a modern practitioner. And, and so, you know, I would come home Sunday night and then my, my husband would be like, oh, okay, you're done till next weekend. And I said, well, no, now I have an assignment out of each manual. And I mean, you know, I'm an academian, you know, I'm someone, if I can dish out homework for eight years, <laughs> I have to be willing to take it too, right? So I love doing those assignments and I loved, and then you sit for a written exam that takes about wow. three hours then you have your your practical exam and your wow. teachers take notes and give you feedback while you're teaching and 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 so Sylvia that kind of scratches just scratches the surface because um the 200 hour program is really accessible to sort of anyone who is a serious practitioner and wants to go deeper but not everybody will teach after that program so even after yeah. everything i've just explained to you that doesn't necessarily lead to someone having their own class or teaching a class there are no guarantees yeah beyond that you can you can take a 300 hour professional program you can study one-on-one -on -one with your favorite teacher i mean it is and i'll spare you because we can go into yeah. that for two more hours <laughs> but it is it's this whole subculture that i think people catch glimpses of but it's its whole it's its whole thing yeah, yeah. And it's really awesome because it really, I think, brings a lot to yoga. You know, I moved to San Francisco 25 years ago, and I recall um, going to a yoga training locally here. And it was, I don't know, probably half men, half women. I was in my 30s. I was clearly the youngest person there. And so now when we look at yoga, it has this much different profile. I think, you know, data shows that what 85% or more are generally women in yoga. Yep. And, um, yep. And depending on where you are, it may be very much younger women. Yes. And I, and I don't know the exact numbers, but it sounds like both of our research and, and experience aligns, um, you know, especially in my experience, because, you know, the, this beginning of my yoga teaching career has taken place mostly in San Francisco. So I would agree with you. I, I would say that the students who have come through my room have been about 90% female and quite young ages, 18 to 25, like barely out of college. Right. Um, yeah. And that's not to say, I mean, I have some wonderful students, you know, in their forties, fifties, sixties who have been with me the whole time. But as you mentioned in my experience for where I live in this urban environment, my students have been female and quite young. So how does this translate when you are teaching, let's say yoga in a corporate setting, are you still seeing mm. kind of this younger demographic? What I notice, for example, public studio classes versus a corporate setting is it's not quite as young. So you will get more people closer to middle age. I would say the representation of men is, is still quite similar. Mm -hmm. If it's a class of 20 women, I mean, then I'm only expecting one or two men. And it's not surprising if, if it's all women that day. I'd, I'd, I'd love to go into that a little more as to why we think that is. Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> 
Because I mean, when, when we're looking at the workplace, I think there's this whole different set of factors. Mm-hmm. And, and when I started you know, going to yoga and even, you know, I, I did it kind of on and off for years. Then I really got into it. And, you know, when I really got into it, I could appreciate the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the, the, the physical aspects of it, um, which I think is harder if you're not going frequently enough. But mm-hmm. when we're talking about work, which tends to be stressful for most people, <laughs> um, it seems like this would just be a really nice match with not just the stress, but just being able to move your body. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot for us to address right there. Um, (laughs) You know, and it really depends on the company, the brand, the corporation. And I have heard all different things. One end of the spectrum, I have had corporate yoga students tell me, Marissa, this is the best thing that in this case, the yoga was free for the employees. So this particular person was saying, what a perk of working here. How nice to know that I can leave my desk at 11.55, go downstairs, spend my lunch hour, and then, you know, be back upstairs at 1.05. And that, you know, not only is it free, there's no guilt involved because it's actually on the company calendar and and it's available to everyone. So it's not like you're sneaking off campus to go to a yoga class. Like everyone knows it's happening. So I've heard that on the one hand, some people are saying it's great. I've also had students say, you know, maybe someone comes one time and then I don't see them for three months or whatever. They say, you know what? Work has been so stressful and I'm not getting along with my teammates. The last thing I want to do is practice yoga alongside the people, you know, who I'm having stress and tension with all day. And I can understand that too, you know, because someone who studies and teaches about energy all day, it's like the way we choose to either mesh or overlap or keep our energies in our lives separate it has an impact on, you know, our overall sense of well-being. So I've heard, you know, both ends of that spectrum and also in between. And as far as the men go, I, I feel like when I'm lucky enough to get a man to come to class, they almost start off by admitting that they almost didn't come to class. It's almost like I'm here, but I'm not sure that I should be. It's like that preemptive, like, I don't know if they're apologizing for being there because maybe it's a perception that it's, you know, meant for the women. The number one thing the men tell me is, oh, I'm really stiff. I'm not flexible. I can't touch my toes. Uh, I'm a runner or a cyclist, so I have really tight hamstrings and this is just going to be, you know, a big fight with my body the whole time. And then... And then, you know, I always try to make some kind of joke to lighten it up. Like, yeah. well, you know, if you had these long hamstrings, right? Or, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't be here in the first place. Or, you know, why would your 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 boss have hired me to be here today? You know, so yeah. breaking the tension that way. But um, yeah, so when the few men actually do come, it's like almost they're preemptively apologizing mm. for being there. Mm. So if someone wanted to get started, and, and, and let's, let's think about, you know, in a workplace setting or even, you know, they'll have Zoom classes, workplace, Zoom right yeah. now. Yeah, doing that, yeah. How do they get started in there? Because I've heard, 
I will tell you, my number one question that I get is, what do I wear? Generally from women. <laughs> but, you know, how, how do we get people to kind of tap in it, tap, tap into, into it? It's so funny that you mentioned the clothing because so much of the way modern yoga is depicted in the media is just through like, you know, the crop tops and the <laughs> tiny sports bras and the tight leggings. And when people ask me what to wear, yes, I wear yoga leggings. That's what I happen to like. I'm also a runner. So I actually like to run in the same pants that are actually made for yoga. I like them because they don't fall down. Like yeah. they stay, they stay with you. But I mean, like what I basically tell people is like, just don't wear jeans. Like anything, anything other than jeans will work. Like yeah. your pajamas will work. Totally. Um, the thing is like, so you want an elastic waistband. That is the key. That is the key. So it doesn't have to be the latest brands, $150 pair of high-tech yoga pants. It's just something that you can sweat in that's going to be stretchy. So how do we get people at work to get into yoga class? Well, in terms of the clothing, if that's how specific we're being, they, they have to, they probably <laughs> need to get changed. That'll be the first thing. <laughs> they, probably, they probably need to get changed. Yeah, well, so that'll involve them having either... Um, you know, a locker room where they can get changed or a restroom where they can get changed. And, and, and I know that this seems like, I know I'm being hyper-specific here, but the reason I'm being hyper-specific about how to get employees into a yoga class is because it can be hard to find space. Um, I've been really fortunate in corporate settings to teach for some of the larger brands who have full-blown gyms. So there's a gym space yeah. and there's a big 20 foot by 20 foot floor and we can fit plenty of people in there. Some of these brands have budgets for blocks and straps and lightweights and all the kinds of props you can think of, but, but that is not the case. Those are some larger companies. I've also taught in um, mostly in conference rooms with carpeting. And then, and then everyone mm. arrives 10 minutes early to class and it becomes this community effort to stack the chairs and push the tables out of the way. And, and so I guess what I'm saying is that if it is a smaller company or there's a smaller budget, for example, you know, don't let that be the thing that deters you, right? Just trust that the universe is saying, this yoga teacher wants to be here and these students want to be here and the cosmos have intersected their life paths at this particular point in time. So if the only obstacle is moving some tables and chairs, then allow that to be part of the practice. And everyone just has to make sure they're there 10 minutes early to help. <laughs> what can people expect or, or really what's the benefits mm. of yoga when it really comes to stress and anxiety? Mm. Wow. So I think it's so widely accepted in the mainstream. Like I think, I think we're all on the same page now that a yoga and meditation practice can alleviate stress, can help you relax, can help you wind down and get ready for bed. Or if you're doing these practices in the morning can help you gain balance and clarity for your day. Here's the thing that I am so happy to have the opportunity to talk about with you. 
I think there. I think people have unrealistic expectations, though. Yes, I think huh. a single yoga class is beneficial. Like if you had the choice between doing one class and no class, then yes, do the class. But I think that some people come to yoga as like a, a panacea, like, oh, I'm going to do this one time and it's going to solve everything. And then they walk away and really the only thing is they're going to be sore the next day. And then they're <laughs> like, oh, I didn't like yeah. that class because, you know, it didn't solve my issues with my family or it didn't solve the way I talk to myself. So that's why I like to emphasize to people that it is a practice that if you want to reap the benefits of the practice, um, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to do it more than once. You're going to have to do it more than 10 times. You know, you're going to have to do it more than 50 times. And I mean, and that comes straight from the philosophy that um, a person's yoga practice becomes firmly established when it is repeated with enthusiasm over an extended period of time. <laughs> so no That's one- good ad, Marissa. No one is going to promise, you know, snap your fingers, you know, one day of down dog is going to do it. Um, <laughs> but I, but then I, but then I am open to engaging in conversations with students like, yes, this will change your life. Are you willing to spend months and years and, and commit to it? Yeah, it does take a while. It I does. think, um, when I kind of made a, a started to make a flip with it was, um, at my local yoga studio, they have a um, challenge every February. And it's like 20 classes in like 28 days of February. Wow. And so you're doing all kinds of classes. You know, I'm practicing with the singers. I'm practicing <laughs> in my regular classes. <laughs> I'm doing restorative. I'm just doing everything. Yeah. But I think um, going that frequently, just for that short period of time, kind of, kind of, it, it changed for me. It changed for me. I started to engage with it a different way. Um, I think it builds confidence. You know, I was always in the front because I'm always getting there just before the door was shut. So, uh, so you know, you're stuck I'm, I'm in, in the, the front, front row because everybody's yeah. and backing up. <laughs> exactly. Everybody lines up from the back and I'm in the front. <laughs> but at some point, you know, mentally, I have to tune that out and just be able to do my thing. Um, and I, I think it did make a difference. But I'm glad you added that. You know, you have to really get into it if you want to see a change. Um yeah, that, let me ask. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just no, going to go say, please. because, um, well, to anyone listening, it's probably apparent by now that, that you and we've spoken extensively before. This is not <laughs> our first time talking to each other. But it's just like the way that we're talking today in our conversation just reminds me of earlier conversations that you and I have had about wellness in the workplace. Mm. And, and so much of your career has revolved around that as well. And how you know, when I talk about yoga in a corporate setting, um, I try to be as discerning as possible when looking at opportunities. It's like, oh, did they get budget for a one-time event mm. so that they can tell their supervisor, like, yes, boss, you gave us the money for one event and we did the yoga event and we checked the box. Yeah. What I'm really looking for is, you know, are, is the, the team looking for something recurring? And I'm not saying it has to be two or three times a week, but I'm saying, are they actually looking to make a long-term investment 
into their employees' well-being, which I think is very different than offering a class one time. Right. Yeah, there's a difference in planning out your wellness strategy to be the thing to do and really trying to engage your employees, improve their health, give them the support they need to show up in the organization, <laughs> deal with the stress of the organization, do the work in the organization. All that definitely ties ties together. You know, we've talked some about barriers, but I just want to touch on just mm -hmm. a couple other things. And and you you've mentioned I think one specific, well, maybe a couple of barriers <laughs> in the workplace. You know, one being you got to have a place to change and the other one is, you know, you don't necessarily want to um go to yoga class if you're practicing with people who are yeah. giving you grief <laughs> the, the, rest, the rest of the day um any other things that you're seeing as barriers that maybe you know things that employers could actually do to make the class more available to their employees yeah i think um it would be helpful to tell people as much as tell the employees as much as possible ahead of time about what to actually expect. And I actually have a lot of personal experience with this because on my own virtual platform, I hire other teachers to come teach. And you know, it's very typical when you're teaching for someone, they ask you for your bio and a headshot or a picture that they can send out in the marketing. But I always ask my the people who come teach for me, can you please send two or three sentence description about the class? It's Self. And that's what so many people forget to send me. And I, and I think that the reason that's so important is because if that's not there, people will take whatever their presupposed notion of what yoga is. So if someone hears from their boss, oh, we're having yoga Thursday at the end of the day. And if someone thinks yoga is headstands and handstands, and they're like, oh, forget it, I'm not doing that well, then they're not going to sign up for the session and they're not bringing their, their sweatpants that day to do yoga. So I think it's mm -hmm. really helpful mm -hmm. when teachers can communicate with the corporate uh, point person. So having a point person, contact person is really important to communicate what people Good can point. expect. So I one thing I hear is people are like, I need to be able to touch my toes before I ever take Marissa's yoga class. When really mm -hmm. I tell whoever's coordinating the class, I say, if someone can't touch their toes and they come to my class and tell them to bend their knees and then we, and then problem, right. And yeah. then problem solved. But the thing is like, there's lots of options, lots of options in yoga, <laughs> but if I don't say that, and if the contact person doesn't communicate that, then the person who's worried, scared, and nervous, they won't know that. And then, so they're not gonna come to class. Yeah. So I think people ultimately yeah. need to know that, um, you know, what is the yoga practice ultimately? It's living in the present moment in the body that we currently find ourselves in today. And so if that is something that we can somehow communicate either through the email or the newsletter or through the person, you know, at the corporation who's been talking to the teacher, it's like, Marissa wants to meet you. Marissa wants to meet you and your colleagues and your teammates come as you are today. You know, she'll give you modifications for each pose. If you get tired, you can do this. If you want more heat, you can do this. 
Um, and most importantly, don't wear jeans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, thanks for sharing that really, because, um, you're right. People do come with preconceived notions. I'll, I'll just tell the quick story. You know, I have a friend of mine. I think he's practiced yoga probably three times. The first time he was with his wife on vacation and they were, do and they were actually doing headstands and he actually just hated it. The second time I got him to go with the group that I was doing and I had a, a yoga instructor come in and he really liked her. And then the third time um, we were away on a, a, in a, like a vacation type thing. And I led some chair yoga. And he says to me, I really enjoy that. Thanks for not doing yoga. <laughs> so so it's, it's a lot about people's right. perceptions. And I'm glad you, add, you added that because I'm not sure that, you know, when organizations are, are, are putting out you know, putting out their wellness programs and getting things going, there's a lot of assumptions on what mm -hmm. people know and don't know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they can appreciate. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we know that you used That's to teach right. Spanish to That's middle school right. students. <laughs> but now you've moved over and, you know, you're doing a, um, a tune right. line and you are also um, obviously a yoga teacher and trainer. You know what? If we have just a second, tell us something about a tune and a line because it's a podcast, but it's also a group. It is. Thank you so much for the the precious time to talk about what this is. Um, a tune and the line is a women's online wellness community. I use the word wellness very broadly, as you could probably guess. It originally started as a series of in-person events that focused on the yoga asana practice. And I also teach a lot about the chakras. So the, the body's innate energy mm. system and that it's conveyed really well when combined with the yoga asana practice and in the context of those philosophical discussions. That's how we got started. And so that was autumn 2019 and it was this great workshop series and we had just wrapped it up and I was ready to launch it again, getting excited, getting people signed up. And then, and then we all got locked in our homes. Right. So, and here we are yeah. a year later, the silver lining of being locked in my apartment for a year was <laughs> that, um, you know, thanks to the internet and thanks to Zoom, we were able to continue. So right now it is 100% purely online community, um, but we have been able to grow into other areas like career, workshops for personal branding. We have weekly co-working sessions. We have wow. sessions on Zoom where we do breakout sessions so that members can talk directly to each other. We have a Slack channel so that members can write and talk to oh. each other all day long as a way to continue conversations. And um, what I'm really hoping for the future, and you know, things are looking hopeful in terms of the reopening in 2021. Yeah. I really plan on a tune in the line being a hybrid experience that, that will continue with weekly co-working sessions, that will continue 
with our twice weekly Zoom yoga. But as soon as we reopen, I'll be looking for opportunities to have us gathering in real spaces, you know, as soon as it's safe for us to do so again. So, um, so I want it all, Sylvia. I want both. I want online and in real life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is really lovely, Marissa. I think particularly given the challenges that we've all gone through this year, just to, you know, for you to be able to hold that community in that way and just provide a space for people, that that's lovely. I, I'm very grateful for it because um, as much as the members get out of it, I get so much out of it too, yeah. because that's that's my community. That's how I feel connected to other people. And, and, and so that was my main lifeline during during the pandemic as well. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we have to build our own communities. Mm -hmm. You're very involved in a, in a couple of things. If you weren't doing any of these things, what would you be doing? This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. <laughs> and you know how I can get, so I'll keep it as succinct as possible. <laughs> People ask me that all the time. Like, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing instead? And I would say, <laughs> That's a, that question is impossible for me to answer, and here's why. Mm. It's because I believe that, you know, a person's dharma, a person's, like, cosmic purpose, a person's yeah. purpose for living, I believe that it doesn't change. So, for example, what I think changes is the outfits that we wear. So, you know, when I was 11, I decided I was raised in the church. So when I was 11, I decided I was going to become a Presbyterian minister. Okay. And, and then after that, I decided that I was going to be a language teacher. And then after that, I decided I would teach yoga. And then our paths crossed with our nutrition community. I decided I was going to teach nutrition. And so I mean, I know I'm doing a terrible job of answering your question because what I really see is that I'm actually doing the same thing all the time. I'm yeah. teaching in some capacity and, and that I think really the only thing that will change and will probably continue to change throughout my life is, is like the actual curriculum or, or the outfit I'm wearing, right? Is it, is it yoga pants or is it a chef's hat? Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think that my inner purpose and my driving, my driving desire to teach is, is what will always be the same. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's it's a really interesting and thoughtful way that we can think about our careers and really how we show up mm. in the world. Mm. All right. So we're coming to the end of the podcast. And at the end, I like to leave listeners with something that they can take forward with them. So Marissa, what is the one thing that you suggest that we can all do today to start engaging more in yoga? Or should I say yoga and community? For, for that one, I, I would say head over to marissalavalette.com. <laughs> so I'll just plug my website here. And um, as, as soon as you get there, there's going to be this pop-up that's going to hit you. And, and that's where I'd like you to leave your email address. And that way we can stay connected on, on this journey forward. And, and when you're on my list, you're the first to know of my weekly schedule and the week's offering. In all seriousness though, um, what, can, what can people, I mean, that is serious. <laughs> what, what can people actually do today to deepen their yoga practice? I would say right now, as soon as you're done listening to this episode, um, grab a pillow from the couch, toss it on the floor, 
grab a notebook or a piece of paper, turn off the TV, turn off your phone and journal for five minutes and then sit for five minutes with your eyes closed, listening to your breath and your breathing. And, and don't expect anything to happen. Like the sky is not going to open and you know, the planets are not going to align, but you will cultivate for yourself um, a really nice moment of, of calm mm. and quiet. Excellent. Thank you so much, Marissa. Thank you so much for joining us today and share, sharing your experience and your thoughts. Thank you. It's been very enlightening. Thank you, Sylvia. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your amazing podcast. Thank you for listening today. This podcast was edited by Terrence of 1015. That's T-E-N-O-N-E-F-I-V-E dot com. Notes for this podcast, as well as any websites and links that were mentioned today, can be found at reenvisionhealth.com. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to share this podcast or tell a friend.